and welcome to another episode of Chapter Tactics. This is the Warhammer 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me, I have three wonderful regular co-hosts I brought on so we could talk about more 9th edition stuff. So I have Sean. Lou. Brandon. I'm back. And Peter the Falcon. Kaka. <laughs> oh, that sounds like someone who didn't get invited to a 4 a.m. Vermintide stream. <laughs> Those dicks. <laughs> I was invited, but at four in the morning. Anyway. Uh, quick quick uh, plug for Honest Wargamer Rob and Val. I did actually watch that. I was up late last night. Uh, Honest Wargamer Rob is obviously in the UK. I'm over here on the Pacific West Coast time, so... Uh, he's eight hours, nine hours ahead of me. Anyways, I was up super early, saw the Val Rob Vermintide game, and as someone who is quickly falling in love with the old fantasy world and all of those uh. games, it looked like so much fun. It looked mm. like an absolute blast. 100%. <laughs> but <laughs> we're here to talk Warhammer 40k, not Warhammer Fantasy, as this is a Warhammer 40k podcast. So that is what we're going to get into. Boo. But before we <laughs> before we do that, some quick announcements. First and foremost, there is going to be a an FLG 60 by 44 mat for sale. We are currently working on getting those out right now. And um, people, please put your tinfoil hats away. If we had known about this mat size beforehand we definitely would have right out of the gate immediately started selling it maybe even last month and we're like oh there's just this arbitrary number that has anyways the point is is that um we are selling it if you have purchased a six by four mat you're more than welcome to exchange it for that new size mat Uh, i know there's a lot of tribulation and um uncertainty around these new ninth edition rules and uh, Frontline Gaming, we're trying our best to make sure that you guys are all taken care of, and we're trying to provide the best customer service we can. So, you can always head on over to FrontlineGaming.org, buy all the ITC Terrain, new in-box Games Workshop products, new mat sizes, and old mats and mat sizes, and so much more. Also, the patrons got treated to a lucky 9th edition, well, not lucky, but they, they got treated to a 9th edition interview uh, where I interviewed Reese Robbins, playtester of 9th edition, and we just talked about his thoughts on 9th edition, what he felt people would react strongly to, what his favorite rules were, uh, kind of the, we talked a little bit about the process of what it means to be a playtester. Uh, it's a really good interview. Right now it's up for the patrons only, as in a patron exclusive. However, it will go up later to the public as well, uh, at, a, at a later date. I haven't decided when yet. It does depend on scheduling. So if you, you want to get early access to that, I would recommend heading on over to the Patreon. Also, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. Patrons get cool prizes and exclusive content and a community where we all chat on Discord and Facebook and stuff. Except not me. I am Discord illiterate, um, <laughs> is what it is. Anyways, uh, if you're interested in that, head on over to that. And then finally, go to the Frontline Gaming Network. Listen to all the podcasts. There's a lot of good stuff. Uh, we're excited to talk about 9th Edition, and we're going to bring you everything. We're going to bring 40K Chat Center, maybe. If Val feels like it, we're going to talk 9th edition. Reese and Frankie are going to take over Signals and talk about all the new 9th edition news. And Nick Nadavati at The Art of War and John Damaris are, have all the cool 9th edition tactics to make you a better player. Maybe 8th edition wasn't your edition to shine, and 9th edition maybe is. We'll see. All right. That's pretty much it. Today's topic, we're going to talk about, if you've already read it, you already know what we're talking about. We're talking about what units and factions are going to be winners and losers based off of the new ninth edition rules that we've already seen happen. So if you haven't already check out last week's episode it was really good. We gave a great rundown of what we know about ninth edition so far and also how we think it'll impact the game as a whole and the player base as a whole. This episode, we're going to kind of dive into the nitty gritty. Uh, we, so we brought on Brandon Grant, Mr. ITC champion extraordinaire, Brought Sean on, Mr. Eldar Salt Master. Uh, for you Eldar players, he's definitely the Eldar player guy to talk to and to complain about how flyers aren't actually that strong. They are. 
Uh, Are and they then, next edition though? We already like know they're going to be changing. We'll the see. Lots. That's what we're going to talk about. And then yeah, finally, yeah. we've got Peter the Falcon, the guy who knows all the stats. So, but for eighth edition. So I'm not sure why we had Peter on. He's kind of <laughs> yeah. funny sometimes. So. This guy. This Anyways. guy. I'm surprised when you were pushing mats um, and all your other uh, like store st- content, you didn't try to sell um, the six by fours um, in like five pack bundles. Because then, if people want to play the on the five by like three point eight or whatever we want to call it, I mean, you can make a sixth mat out of it. You're basically like you know uh, buy five get one free <laughs> if you just. <laughs> Like there's so, so many funny. people that are so mad about cutting up other people cutting up their mats. Not even them that I I love it and I just think do it. I think it's a good <laughs> pitch. Get it to Reese. Buy five, get one free. But you're just sending them five of your six by fours because no one's gonna buy them anymore. Um, and then there you go. <laughs> Problem solved, Pablo. Look at me. I'm a champ. Yeah. The the six by four thing is an interesting topic. Um, I'm curious to see where it heads. Right, because you've got two p- factions you've got the people who are mad at other people for cutting mm-hmm. their six by formats and the people who refuse to that you know refuse to even acknowledge that there's a new mat size changing and they're just going to keep playing on their six by fours and they're going <laughs> to uh shout minimum they're probably going to have minimum size tattooed like, on uh, their forehead tattooed on their forehead yeah something on like their, that on their arm on their knuckles <laughs> minimums Ooh. yep yep Right next I to like their Gilliman, Gilliman and Everain heart-shaped oh, tattoo. See, yeah. that's a nice segue, Pablo, into what units and playstyles we expect <laughs> will be improved by smaller boards. Yep. Thank you, Brandon. That was that was masterful. I think you've done this before. I used to be the guy that had to get us back on track. Because but... <laughs> my thing is, I like deep deployment zones with my army because I play very defensively with multiple layers of defenses that have to be peeled back before you get to the juicy vehicles in the back. But if my deployment zone is even four to six inches shallower than it was before, that gives a melee army as a leg up because I have less space to work with before they break through to my important stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's go ahead and break this down because I think that's a really great point, Brandon. And I, I'd love to hear you expand on that more. Um, but for those of you who haven't already heard what we're talking about, the GW did announce that the new 2,000-point standard would be a 60-inch by 44-inch table, um, which, if if you're doing some quick math, is two kill team tables put together side by side. Which four. Is, hint, hint. Oh, oh, four. Excuse me, four. Yeah. Two, two, yeah, four by two four by two. kill team tables. Yes. Um, or two by two, excuse me. You're right. But uh, that's the new size. And also... A lot of TOs, including pretty much every major TO uh, in the ITC and also Nova Adepticon uh, as well and WTC, Capital City Bloodbath, which is the largest Canadian tournament, those TOs all kind of mentioned that they would be going on going switching to the new mat now obviously nothing official has been stated by some of them because all all that was kind of being talked about in the itcto group uh but the general consensus i read i read into that was that major tournaments would be switching over to the new mat size Mm -hmm. uh and Mm -hmm. that includes frontline gaming's major tournaments too which uh try as we do a lot of people do copy what frontline gaming tournaments do as well so I would ex- I would expect people to start playing on the new size, and also if you're doubtful, um, but you want to get better at ninth edition, I highly recommend that you play games on the new size because it's going to dramatically change games. So mm-hmm. that's that's yeah. my quick PSA. Uh, and now let's let Brandon, Sean, and Peter, the real experts, talk about how specifically that'll affect games. So let me give a very specific example that's relevant in eighth, maybe not in ninth, is uh, Raven Guard. So if you are on pointy Dawn of War, as I'll call it, or just Dawn of War, where you're on long edges versus your opponent, you don't have a very deep deployment zone. Um, sometimes as narrow as 6 inches, usually around 12 inches. And if you're a Raven Guard player, you can move much more than 12 inches into an enemy deployment zone turn 1 with several units through inf- infiltration shenanigans. So... The deeper that you have of a deployment zone to deploy in, the safer your units at the very back can be. And really, the only way that you can block a Raven Guard player on a short deployment zone from getting to your really important models is with not important models that you have to place in the way, 
which they will then immediately destroy with shooting if you're just leaving them out in the open. So it's a very, very difficult matchup to go second into on those deployment maps because you cannot put your units far enough away from the front line for them to be safe turn one. So with this new, even fewer inches, I guess uh, it's two fewer inches deeper per side for Dawn of War, um, that is even less breathing room. So it makes me think that these aggressive Alpha Strike style lists, which right now is Raven Guard is king, um, are probably going to be even stronger unless there is some other change in the meta to deployment or abilities that we haven't seen yet. So, for example, if I can spend command points and certain units can infiltrate like Space Marine Scouts, that would be really helpful in a lot of these maps for a lot of armies. So it's like, oh, you're going to spend a lot of command points for Raven Guard to move towards me? Well, I'm going to spend a lot of command points so that my veteran squads uh, with camo cloaks or whatever ability upgrades you can get are going to deploy like Space Marine Scouts, and they're going to be in the way, and you won't be able to move towards them. Um, yeah. But without some ability like that, um, holy cow, infiltrating armies are going to be super powerful when there's mm-hmm. less space in your deployment zone to hide. Well, also worth remembering is there's a good chance that deployment zones won't actually shrink because, like, you can't really shrink a six-inch deployment zone much smaller because there are units that are larger than four inches. Um, Shadow Sword, I'm looking at you. You're six inches wide. (laughs) Yeah, so they can't really shrink. What I expect is that the no man's land will shrink down. Um, which is still going to help melee armies in a number of ways, but it won't necessarily help the infiltrators. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of melee armies right now have a lot of abilities that right around the 24-inch mark, mm-hmm. they start being able to get reliable turn one charges. Yeah. Yeah. So if your deployment zones are only 18 inches apart because you've removed everything six inches closer together... Mm-hmm. Um, Net, it just means that the offensive deployment zone hasn't changed, but the defensive one is much, much smaller. Yeah. 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 It's much harder to backline um, important units. Um, things like Blood Angels with uh, Forlorn Fury. Um, mm-hmm. Love that kind of a change. Anything that has like a double move um, um, is just in love with this. Uh, if it is, you know, as we say, um, we still haven't seen all the missions. So who knows? Maybe there is some kind of special trick everyone can play. Um, right. Testers have mentioned this ability to like outflank uh, key or important units uh, is going to be big in that. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Because I, I think for me, thinking about like a big blob of death company um, being able to you know easily now get into your opponent's uh, backfield, even if you do outflank, um, like Brandon's saying, where there's less layers that I have to now chew through, um, it's going to it's it feels good for those kind of armies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What I'm really worried about. So th- those are all really good points. Um, I think, I think Pete for sure, all hit the nail on the head in that we really have to wait and see how much CP it costs to reserve our whole army. If you know, if yeah, that's even a thing that we least, can yeah. do, because they did say mention that. Um, but the immediate thing I thought of when they announced the new uh, table size was how good 36 inch range units mm-hmm. are all, all of a sudden. Like think of like the Riptide also. and twenty four, but also um, the Whirlwind Scorpius, which uh, obviously Manichima made famous. It was already really good before the LVO, but Manichima really took it to the next level with that mm-hmm. Imperial Fist lift list. Uh, having ran Whirlwind Scorpiuses, that forty inch range, even though it sounds really big on that massive six by four table, I found myself having a hard time being able to hide my Whirlwind Scorpius and hit the things I want to. Now mm-hmm. with essentially giving my whirlwind scorpius an extra 12 inches um maybe uh, all of a sudden i can pretty much hit everything turn one and i won't necessarily have to be able to move it so it's just it's going to be interesting to see if the meta shifts towards really aggressive melee armies or really just spam those 48 inch 36 inch range 36 inches just got way better so good like you can't hide from smart missile system spam or rip no. t- like Tauin at all now, like and a big another difficult. big thing will be the new terrain keywords they've uh, they've talked up, but we yeah. haven't seen any of um, the ability to have things that like uh, 
fully block line of sight, whether true or not, um, mm-hmm. will be important in some cases. It, like it's not going to stop smart missile systems or thunderfire cannons or basilisks or things like that, which can now basically touch the whole board. Um, but it will have a big impact on like Imperial Knights, which don't have a lot of out of LOS shooting, um, and just got a little bit scarier with their psychic awakening, um, in terms of like flat three damage paladins and stuff. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see, um, how big a uh, impact these, uh, terrain keywords are and exactly what they are like is there more than just a block los is there something that that adds some spice to out of los shooting maybe there's mm-hmm. roofed like some kind of situation where you have a ceiling on top of you for once uh that would be <laughs> cute um not yeah. saying it requires a lot of imagination but it is a thing that mm-hmm. buildings have occasionally to stop things like mortars from hitting you. Um, anyway, uh, just yeah. just thoughts, GW. If you're looking for extra keywords, but ceiling but on is that a good point, one. Our current rules are: oh, I can see a molecule of your model through that window at this angle. Therefore, yeah. I shoot you, and I ignore cover, so nothing happens. Yeah. Um, that's not going to happen anymore. If terrain is more broad, as in, oh, you can't shoot through those windows at all. You can't right. shoot through the outline of my piece of terrain and if that's the case then all of the models right now that have so much trouble hiding like maybe your uh custodes dreadnought that mm-hmm. was too tall to hide behind a lot of terrain and now it's going to be a little bit taller because the top of it counts or maybe yeah. you're a basilisk with a huge shield that was super hard to hide well now it's much easier to hide um i think these really spindly models are I'm, I'm thinking even ravagers with their huge sails it's almost oh, impossible yeah. to hide those but yeah. with the new terrain rules it'll be much easier to hide them um if the terrain's tall enough because oh you can see through the windows no you can't i'm on the other side of the building so there's huge opportunities for these models that are too big for their own good and too difficult to hide currently that in the future they can hide behind terrain and they can jump out and shoot before they get shot Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we had, for anyone who remembers back to 4th edition, this used to be how terrain just sort of worked in general. So I think GW has a good sort of like skeleton of a system that they can jump back to there and and try and update to make work better in ninth. Mm-hmm. And AOS does use a, a keyword system already for terrain. Um, albeit a, li- a pretty loose one. So if yeah. if they've made one that's more like 40k centric, um, in terms, uh, like just in terms of like abilities or capabilities, then yeah, like it's it is something. And I will say, um, for anybody that's listening, if you've listened to Reese or Frankie talk on signals for the last four years, like the one <laughs> thing that they that they have ever complained about, um, as playtesters for GW, um because they don't complain about much anymore, I'm sure people have noticed, um, is terrain. So if they're complaining that much about terrain, I guarantee you it's like the one thing that they that they would have pushed for to get fixed. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a given at this point. Yeah. Um, it, and in the interview um, the, that I did with Reese, uh, he talked about one of the main focuses that playtesters uh, had going into the ninth edition and playtesting ninth edition was fixing the core parts of eighth that were inherently broken. Um, things mm-hmm. like the terrain rules, uh, clarifying keywords, um, mm-hmm. making maybe like adding more keywords or making more universal keywords a thing, uh, and then also soup. Soup was another thing that I think they they hit pretty hard on. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, so uh, we're going to go ahead and circle back uh, on this specifically because I think the board size is probably one of the biggest changes. Uh, however, Brandon was doing an amazing job pre-episode talking about other changes that really affected the army. Uh, so, Brandon, why don't you give us just one and more of those? Uh, um, so, for my army, I really like hordes of infantry. It's always been my mm. play style in 40k. And... There's changes coming up that are confirmed that certain weapons will either hit more often or hit the maximum number of times against units that are large. We don't know what that means specifically, but I'm guessing that if you're a unit of 30 boys, every weapon that has the blast keyword now is just going to shoot the maximum number of times. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're a 10-man squad, there's a good chance that they're going to get a bonus, maybe not as good as for 30, but good against 10. Um, So... On that note as well, it looks like some of the secondary objectives are going to require you to do things in phases. 
um, like the Four Pillars mission is um, mentioning shadow operations where you have to perform an investigate action and you have to pick an infantry unit to do it. So I'm thinking that infantry are going to move away from being the stars of the show and you know storming enemy lines and that sort of thing. And they're going to move to more easily removed than their points would allow and not as efficient as their points would allow, but super useful for getting victory points on the table. Um, so I don't know. You're not going to see armies with 80 plus guardsmen as much anymore, but those 30 to 50 guardsmen you'll see in the guard army are going to be super useful for scoring in, uh, points and not much else because they're just, if they try and bum rush the enemy, the enemy's like, okay, so all these weapons I, I paid for are super effective against that and they're going to go away. And in conjunction with some other abilities, they're not even as good at tying units up to prevent them from shooting. So big loser is going to be large infantry units. Hmm. I don't know. We we don't really know what the whole like blasts thing is actually going to do. It could just be like a reroll on the number of shots against those units, which obviously is an improvement, but that's not going to change that, you know, D3 shot uh, autocannon profile into just instantly evaporating whole units of guardsmen. Yeah, I think I think that's I think you both made good points, um, Sean. Not only about about the hordes in particular, um, but where do you kind of see flyers in general moving? Uh, I know in uh, in eighth edition there was talks of flyers being limited in mobility when the uh, SoCal Open ruled that you couldn't put flyers on top of buildings. Right. Um, and that, to me, largely seemed like it was a, a bit of a, a non-factor. Uh, it still looked like Flyers had a lot of mobility. Um, but how how do you foresee this smaller board size affecting not just Eldar Flyers, but Flyers in general? They've said that Flyers are going to work differently in mm -hmm. Ninth. Uh, they've implied that they aren't just going to like crash if your opponent fills up board space. Uh, and and have some other kind of like mobility options that uh, make them feel more appropriate and less sort of like weirdly gamey. Um, I think that's good. Flyers have really struggled in the game to like find a role that both feels appropriate to what they should be doing while also still being useful in the game. Um, I don't think the smaller board size is going to hurt them much. Um, so it's really going to depend on what the rules allow for them in terms of uh, movement options and that sort of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Whether all flyers are still going to have to do the like 90 degrees and straight thing or whether, you know, if they can fly off the board like they used to be able to in 7th edition and then return at a different point. Um, well, that is something they said you were that they will be getting is they at least will be able to fly off the board and come back. They didn't say how they come back. Right. And that's and that's what the, the question is. Like, you know, what does that mean for them when they do that? But I think broadly speaking, the changes will be useful to flyers. Um, and we know what GW wants to push is the ability to include some flyers in a list, but not necessarily make the list of six or nine flyers, which is honestly not all that interactive or fun for people. And no. so I understand them wanting to push away from that. Yeah. Um, it does so, take it does yeah. take away from your immersion when you're using flyers to move block. Um, yes. Uh, and I don't think they were a great example. That. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to be real sad to see that go no. away. Yeah, uh, move blocking 30 boys from getting to your army with three flyers. Uh-huh. Super effective, not very fluffy. Mm. Nope, and, and it just looks really weird on the table <laughs> and is annoying in a lot of ways. Um, also, the other thing that will change the way flyers uh, play a lot is the inability to stack more than minus one to hit. Mm -hmm. uh, because minus one to hit flyers were good, but not like, wild it's when you had those minus twos and threes in armies like eldar dark angels or even space marines um that was when they got really out of control and just like oh yeah you you just can't hit me i'm i'm untouchable by your army um that was a problem so again moving that away i think will 
give them more freedom in designing flyers. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go with that. I, I know they addressed flyers in, in particular, and that yeah. they wanted to change them change the way they played so we can't be 100 percent accurate in predicting how flyers go um you did mention battlefield rules sean in the sense that yeah uh, you know gw wanted to make it so that people could take flyer rules flyers in particular but i kind of want to focus on another aspect of battlefield rules that actually didn't dawn on me until i talked to reese in the interview and that's what's going to be the state of troop choices in the new edition so like yeah. The the way they explained it to me and the way I understand it is you have one kind of core detachment and that detachment gives you your full command points. So you mm-hmm. could have a basic detachment that um gives you your full command points and then you have to pay for detachments to add them into your army to like soup or whatever. Um or which anything. kind of actually lowers the value of troops, right? Yeah. Because you don't need to bring as many troops now to maximize your command points. Um, which is what we saw a lot of people doing. Yeah, you're not going to see people spamming troop choices to get maximum command points. Um, but if any other indication, other editions are any indication, I think they're going to try to provide additional value for troop choices hmm. um, in scoring or secondary missions or stuff like that. Uh, so I think troop choices are going to remain very valuable to a lot of armies. Yeah. I mean, right now you can see it in a lot of lists where a basic guardsman is four points and a guardsman veteran is only five points for um, an increase in weapon, uh, ballistic skill, way more access to options. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could, you'd want to take the veterans all the time, but no one does because the troop yeah. slot is so important. So if they're going to make the troop slot less important, I'm hoping that there's also a rebalance of uh, all the points values so that troops are not more overcosted than everything else in terms of efficiency, or um, at least keep it so that infantry at least are still relevant um, for scoring objectives or getting bonus points for scoring the mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see this as being something that's very good for armies that have um, like mediocre troop choices where after you took your first, say two or three squads, they became attacks. If oh, you like Eldar, like Eldar or uh, Bl- blood angels uh, again, or space Marines in general, like oftentimes, well, I shouldn't say that because intercessors are, <laughs> yeah, really good. I was going to say um, intercessors or are infiltrators, kind of scouts, or yeah, incursors, but or scouts. <laughs> but there are specific types of space Marines that didn't need them. Right. I mean, iron hands definitely yeah. wanted their intercessors, but Raven guard, didn't care too much about troops. Um, so, you know, factions that that wanted more of those elite slots. Um, another example, like custodies. Custodies, um, custodian guard are pretty garbage compared to most of the rest of your list, unless you're yeah. spamming three plus invulnerable saves. But now that they've said patrols, battalions, and brigades are at least the three they've they've mentioned so far will like refund you CP. Um, I think. Uh, Based on what we're seeing, unless the custodian guard gets something super special, custodies in particular, you're just going to see them run a patrol um, to get that maximum 12 CP. And they, they get their one big blob of custodian guard that is going to, they'll give it all storm shields or something to make it hard to kill. Um, and then it can do whatever special secondary objectives that uh, may be troop focused. Um, and then they'll be able to take all the rest of their toys without having to take this big tax to get even a little bit of CP out of the game. Um, hmm. And you'll see that, let's say, with like Blood Angels, same thing where you saw people um, like taking just basic scouts and being like, I don't care. Like if they hit something, they, they'll kill it maybe. But otherwise, this is just my tax so I can get enough CP to pay to make my Sanguinary Guard and everything else work. Um, so it, I, I really think this is and Eldar, like uh, like Brandon said, you're seeing people take like minimum um, uh, Storm Guardian squads that basically did yeah. nothing. Uh, but just because they needed that CP to fund uh, like all of their tricks. So I think yeah. this is big for those. Harlequins is another example of a faction that uses a billion CP and, and uh, isn't competitive without it. Now they don't have to take, you know, a ton of really expensive troops to make that work. Um, if they want, they can go with a patrol and get like basically everything they want out of their book. Um yeah, like it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out with the the new battlefield roles and uh, detachments. The sense I'm getting from all of what you're describing is, in essence, troops will still be useful because you'll still want to take maybe a battalion to get enough elites and heavy supports in the same detachment. Mm-hmm. But after that, 
you don't need to take troops anymore. Mm-hmm. Possibly. I mean, the, obviously, we don't know what actual bonuses troops give. It's also, I'm very curious to see, because they've they've said that if you take a uh, patrol battalion or brigade and you put your, and your warlord is in it, then it refunds you the command points. I'm curious to see what the cost for taking other detachments is. Mm-hmm. Like, how much does an air wing cost you? Is it one? Is we it don't know. Three? We yeah, know a battalion costs three. Yes, a battalion costs three, and that gives us a a vague idea of what the possibilities are uh, in terms of like where the range of CP is going to be. Uh, but if a if an air wing or a, an outrider or something costs you three CP, um, maybe you just don't take a battalion at all, and you just you give up those three CP so you don't mm-hmm. need to take any troops at all. Uh, that may be a legitimate possibility. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. Yeah, yeah, completely. Uh, We still haven't seen what happens if you cross regiment bonuses or craft world bonuses, or if hmm. you take uh, two different codexes in the same army, what CP penalties there are for that, if any. If there's any, yep. Yeah. Yeah, there's they, a lot there. And that's particularly important for, say, sorry, Sean, uh, for oh, no, Chaos, right? Because Chaos is yeah. such a soup-heavy army right now. Um, and if they don't get uh, some kind of like little uh, pat on the butt, it it might be real bad for them. Because um, there's not a lot of mono-faction uh, chaos lists out there that have any any standing, even post-Second uh, Awakening. admittedly, you can be Chaos Space Marines and summon demons, but then you, if you don't have a demon's detachment, you don't have any demon's command point abilities or mm-hmm. relics. Exactly. And we don't know how summoning is going to work in this edition, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So summoning is I, a, a more universal keyword, so they, th- they might change it completely. I feel like there's probably going to be some major changes to summoning because that's a mechanic a lot of people have complained about. Uh, they're not really happy with how it works, and I don't think really GW is all that happy with how it works either. Uh, you can look to Age of Sigmar as an example of where they did a similar thing where they're like, oh no, this version just does not do what mm. we want. Um but also um, the way souping in keywords and combining different factions together in detachment works. I think we can expect to see some pretty radical changes to how that happens as well. Uh, because obviously soup has been a big concern for a lot of people. Uh, keywords have been very problematic in how they interact with each other, um, especially as far as chaos goes uh in in how they are able to combine various detachments and stuff so i think we can expect to see some major shifts in how that is applied and how it functions on the player side um in in no small part because they've separated narrative games out into their own thing Mm -hmm. so they don't have to try and like make a keywords work for both narrative and uh tournament play in the same fashion yeah now, I believe they announced how many, how much CP you're getting, right? I believe it's, yes. it's like yeah. 12? 12. 12 at 2,000 points. And That's you, what it was. And you re-automatically, if your ba- army is battle-forged, uh, you automatically yeah. regain uh, one per turn in the command phase or per yes. round. Yes. Yes, as long as the game is a certain size or larger. Yeah. Uh, it's like Probably a 500-point game. Yeah, you don't, you don't gain anything per turn. So that's actually interesting because 12 is... Not a particularly large number in terms of what a lot of armies are bringing in mm-hmm. in eighth edition terms. Like, mm. Twelve is not big. We know there are three well, CP stratagems until you add five because there's five turns in the game. Sure, but your upfront amount of command points because a lot of armies will blow through ten CP before the game starts. Yeah, uh, and I we can guess that with like pregame like putting things into reserve and stuff like that, it should it should still be fairly easy to blow through all those command points before the game even begins. Um, may not be a good idea, but still seems pretty plausible. Yeah, I I, I think it's a small buff to to like 
uh, Custodes, Harlequins, maybe Knights. Although Knights hmm. didn't have a ton of CP issues. Um, they certainly were CP hungry. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's a clear nerf to like Chaos. I think Chaos Soup is probably hit the hardest from the CP changes because they Chaos players are already trying to bring 18, 20 command points, you know, a game. Um, and then on top of that, they spent, you know, 18 command points on turn one. And I think we should combos. pour one out for Gene Stealer cults, um, unless like they have because they're gonna have to completely change how they do things, which they've kind of already have anyway. But yeah, um, I mean they can't take a, a more than one of the same character um, unless they take extra detachments. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of the fact, well, that, you know they uh, are a CP heavy uh, army. So yes, generally. although again, like that's an eighth edition rule. It's true. I wouldn't be surprised to see that go away in some fashion. Yeah, I poured uh, one out for Gene Stealer cults last year. Be. Yeah, well, right about <laughs> that when that sad. aberrant nerf hit them. Yeah, that Space was Marines like, came out. And, oh, um, bad time. <laughs> so, so let's go ahead and talk about uh, Psychic Awakening. So we, we have 9th edition um, ready, like, not ready to go, obviously. Well, I'm sure it's ready to I'm go. I'm sure but, it's ready. But we have a lot of 9th edition <laughs> it's previews to talk about. <laughs> uh, Psychic Awakening was supposed to be the great equalizer, and now I see it as not only the great equalizer, but also every faction's transition into the new edition. I think it's pretty clear now that Psychic Awakening was designed with 9th edition changes in mind, mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of uh, maybe like the pre-FAQ or or pre-beta rules uh, to get us into 9th edition um, without going full index. Uh, so what factions do you think are going to really benefit not only from these rules, but from the Psychic Awakening rules as well. Uh, and then hmm. and then um, you can talk about specific units as well, so not just factions, uh, but specific units as well. So, open question. That's a really tough one, just because we know so little about Ninth right now. Like, for all we're talking about it, we know less than a page of the core rules at this point, <clears throat> which makes it difficult to make a good prediction about how things are going to roll I out. will say I would I would put money that Necrons mm-hmm. um for probably the first couple months will be one of the best factions in the game. Hmm. And, and well, the they reason, are getting a starter set. They're getting a starter set. They're getting essentially their version of the Emperor. Um mm-hmm. Which we assume will be early on in the edition. Maybe it's not. Maybe it'll be like a year in. They just teased us with the picture to, for jokes. Um, for the first time. Yeah, Do you know how not... long I waited for Plastic Sisters after getting teased? <laughs> right. Oh, I'm sorry, Ooh. guys. I'm sorry. Bringing up some kind of PTSD moments here for Brandon. But um, like Silent King coming, uh, new Catan model they've shown off, all these new things. I wouldn't be surprised if at least for the first couple months, um, Necrons are pretty top tier. And then everybody else will catch up, and, and it'll be like with uh, Death Guard at the beginning of 8th, where they were pretty decent because of Mortarian, and then <laughs> everybody caught up and like way overpassed them as GW got you know better and better at developing rules for, for the 8th edition. I expect kind of a similar thing to happen with 9th, where hmm. as people come out with new books, um, they mentioned Death Watch is on the mark uh, because people were talking in one of their chats about, you know, Death Watch didn't get much for PA, and they're like, yeah, we have plans for them. I wouldn't be shocked if you see an like quote-unquote early codex for them um, where they get something special maybe that boosts them enough that they become and we just kind of see this chain um there will probably be an initial crazy list uh, because of something somebody didn't see that's always happens there's always something yeah. that playtesting misses and then there's like some forge world model that if you take a hundred of it no one will ever beat you um <laughs> and then it'll kind of it'll snow and then once that gets fixed then the game will be in this you know like necrons will probably be amazing i can't imagine like GW better not screw up the Silent King. There will be some very mad uh, robotic people out there. Okay, I, I want to play devil's advocate and voice of history here, though. Over the course of the game, being the other half of the box <laughs> faction that gets paired with Space Marines <laughs> has not gone well for people. It's true. Dark uh... Eldar in 3rd edition, Tyranids in 4th, uh, orcs chaos in fifth, in sixth, chaos uh, no. in six. Okay, to be fair, sixth edition was chaos, space marines, and dark angels, and they were both bad. 
Yes. <laughs> they were yes. both the other faction. But they were the, both... <laughs> the other half of whoever is fighting Space Marines is almost guaranteed to be bad. Now, I say that as a joke. Uh, Macron players don't immediately freak out. GW has come so far in game design since third edition where, you know, the Dark Eldar can't even hurt the Dreadnought that's in the box set. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but also... Yeah, yeah. But also they did a box set with Gazgul Thraka versus Ragnar Blackmane, and there was no way to kill Gazgul Thraka with the box set that we just got. So I see. I yeah. feel you. I feel yeah. you. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that's a bit of an oversight. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, Sean, um, <laughs> what about you, Brandon? Uh, I, I know you have some strong opinions about uh, vehicles and hordes. Uh, what do you think? What factions do you foresee doing well in the new edition? Uh, maybe uh, Dark Horse candidate, or uh, you know, what, what's, what's Honestly, your thoughts there? Anyone who had non-fly vehicles that couldn't mm-hmm. fall back and shoot, or non-fly monsters. So I'm thinking even uh, Mechanicus, their walkers <laughs> that shoot 36 times. Yeah. Uh, each that could you know use their ability to not move and shoot twice oh the catafron uh yeah no not the catafrons oh, the other ones Castellan the, robots. uh the castellans, castellans. Yeah, castellan yes. robots. so i think castellan robots really suffered because they weren't able to move and mm-hmm. they could shoot twice yeah and you just get tied up by a model and the whole unit would be useless well now mm-hmm. you just completely annihilate whatever is touching you is what happens yeah. So it's really not the same drawback for units like that anymore. So I they were immediately the unit that came to mind as being the most vulnerable to being bad touched. Um but yeah, Layman Russ battle tanks didn't like being bad touched. Mm-hmm. Um most land of the raiders. Uh, Yeah, not that anyone's bringing land raiders well, at all. Right. In in theory, I'm sure GW is trying to fix that because they and love the Land Raider. Another big winner might actually be uh, heavy flamers on vehicles or the, mm-hmm. at least the equipments, mm-hmm. because um, with a Hellhound, you could pile into it and prevent it from overwatching. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they're going to change the ability to pile into units you haven't declared. But either way, even if you're bad touching the Hellhound now. First of all, you can't charge it or it's going to overwatch and auto hit you 2d6 times. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, even if you do pile into it without swinging at it, it still shoots you. So I think vehicles that have auto hitting weapons for overwatch combined with vehicles that could be bad touched before are really going to benefit. And they're going to have to rebalance vehicles that had the fly keyword with vehicles that didn't have the fly keyword simply because combat is going to be virtually the same for both of them now. Hmm. yeah yeah uh, i i've got two factions well i've got models and a faction i think are going to do really well um first i think knights are i'm really really interested to see where knights go in the ninth edition Me they too. already mentioned that night that knights would be able will get buffs the super heavies will get buffs in general they'll be able to attack units in ruins um they'll be mm-hmm. able they won't be as limited by mobility by silly things like like uh three guardsmen blocking a knight um, they, yeah. they already mentioned that th- those are things that were they were they were kind of already working on. Um, that and the points increases across the board don't really hurt knights that much. Like let's say the, all the units get a flat third increase, a third increase on gallants still lets you bring the same amount of gallants you were going to bring anyways, right? It, it doesn't really hurt knights that much, even if you increase all the knights by fifty points. Let's say you, that means you you're not taking your like spare armager that you were taking before in your Fortnite list or, or whatever. Um, so I'm curious to see where Knights will, will go in general, both the Chaos variety and the Imperium variety. Um, I don't know if they'll be viable as a pure faction, because there's a lot of work that needs to go get done there. Um, but I'm interested to see where Knights are. Uh, also, uh, Space Marines are going to be really strong. It's, yes. It looks I mean, like they're, it. They're just uh, Salamanders look really interesting to me. Salamanders are already kind of on the cusp there. Um, they really needed a way to get to your opponent. Well, giving them an extra 12 inches less to work with um, helps. And also, the, if the rumors are true about the uh, outflanking or the um, the uh, null deploying, Salamanders will sh- might be able to infiltrate or outflank um, with CP. I, I don't know. They didn't explain that very well, but in the stream they were talking about how there's going to be different deployment or different uh reserves um mm-hmm. movements based off of what turn there was in the game 
right? And the mm. the way it kind of sounded to me was that it meant that if you waited until turn two or turn three to bring your reserves on, they would come on uh, not just from your deployment edge, but maybe from like another table side. So I don't I don't know. That's all speculation. Uh, but I do. I'm looking at my Salamander's army, um, and and kind of like like you know wringing my hands a little i'm like that guy in the yellow suit behind the tree meme you know just like mm-hmm. waiting for my salamanders to see where <laughs> see where they go licking my lips um so yeah i i think salamanders are probably going to come out really strong space marines are obviously still going to be so good um because it looks like they're not getting really nerfed at all yeah. yeah knights had actually gotten my attention as well um in part because of some of the things they've announced that hopefully will take away some of the, like, weird gamey, like, oop, I'm hiding two inches inside this ruin, that means your gigantic 70-story death machine can't touch me. Um, but also... That was great. Yeah. N- knights <laughs> tend to do well early in an edition just by bringing a very skewed army that people are not really sure how to deal with yet. Um... So definitely, like, be on the lookout for some guy who just sort of, like, brings four knights and walks all over stuff. Mm -hmm, And then, you know, three months into the edition, we'll be like, oh, yeah, four knights is a terrible list. Like, all you have to do is take this maneuver secondary and move over to here, and then you basically auto-win against him. Yeah, you play peekaboo. Uh, But people won't know that early on. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, And that's... uh, Unless some, unless you all want to have anything to add to that, that's actually something we didn't really talk about. Was the mission design? Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. missions will widely determine who's good and who isn't good. It's true, uh, and we don't know a whole lot about the missions. No, we've seen one for the big and one for the small, right? And that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Yes. Plus, we've seen a sampling of what the secondary objectives look like, mm-hmm. um, which it's it's very clear where they took their design cues there. And that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's good that GW is sort of like looking to the best of the community and taking what works. Um, it does make me curious, and I'm not sure whether Pablo can really say anything here, whether... ITC will abandon its own mission design, or whether it'll just go with what GW has. Oh, I, I can't answer that. That's easy. That. Uh, okay. Yeah. Front, oh, really? Okay. I didn't yeah, know they already that. answered on signals. Yeah. So, so for okay. those of you who don't know, frontline gaming is going to be switching completely over to GW. Uh, mm-hmm. There's the ITC cool. champions missions are still probably going to be a thing, along with like the Renegade open missions that they decide to make a ninth edition missions, or like mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, the the ITC will and always forever will have multiple mission sets for TOs to choose from that that's always kind of been the thing right. um but i i'm i've I already know that we're switching to the new tables and um they all seem all the major tournament organizers seem pretty clear in their intent to switch over to this universal format yeah, so, I mean, so i'm not, i'm cool. talking like FAQs like mm-hmm. the, there there probably won't be any house rules even though last year there weren't actually house rules only house for the ITC there were house rules for frontline gaming events but not for the ITC mm-hmm. but i'm thinking like even less house rule quote unquote things cuz the terrain seems to be hopefully getting fixed right. um like the missions are probably going to be all the same missions across the board the the maps as well the the deployment size i mm-hmm. imagine eventually all the major tournaments um, are going to switch to those mm-hmm. or all the tournaments, period. Uh, so well, Jason Lippert has, has on the record said, um, like in uh, the like uh, Midwest forums and whatever, that um, Adepticon will be using uh, the new mission format, at least oh, for yeah. singles. Mm. They're not going to use uh, the new missions for their team tournament because they always do their own thing for that. But yeah, for right. the, uh, the Adepticon uh, singles championship, it will be the new missions and it will be using the new mat sizes. And I mean, Mike Brandt is the new event coordinator for GW. I can't imagine yeah. Nova would be like, screw <laughs> you. Yeah, he's not going to make his <laughs> oh, man. Nova I, missions. I, I really want to see that. Just Nova decides to use some bizarre, like, 2007 ass mission that they've just like yeah we're actually reverting to the old ones we think they're better than the new stuff i believe the only the only group i haven't heard from in terms of super majors um or like like is uh, dallas open i'm not sure if they if they have decided if they'll switch because they have their own custom mission design as well and they're yeah. 200 plus person i haven't heard anything but... from australia either our friends uh, down under. I thought the guys at CanCon said they would be switching, but I could be wrong. I, I wouldn't hmm. be surprised if they did. I mean, uh, you know, they've generally have sided with 
the community at large in the past but yeah i hadn't been keeping tabs on the wtc did they say they were going to yeah. switch to the new yes, yes. Oh, okay yeah. yeah now what is the etc going to do we <laughs> don't know they, they probably the won't who? play 40k <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't be shocked if they just don't even play 40k or if it's very casual yeah uh yeah yeah that's that's an unfortunate that's actually going to be a future episode for when the wtc eventually happens um after coronavirus kind of stops stopping us in our houses stop please stop Mm -hmm. it it. nurgle please stop disease Uh, yeah i think nurgle's (laughs) sick and tired of seeing his minions lose at events he's just like no it works, but shut but this down. Nurgle was like the only chaos sub faction that's done well consistently. Mm, tr- Ooh, well, I consistently, Dem Keeper is secrets now. Ooh, Ooh. oh, yeah, <laughs> sure. There's there's a lot to like about demons now. I'm not going to say that. Well, you know, no, future keepers of secrets. There's a lot to like about them. No, no, let's you, let's, let's think, try to be specific. <laughs> I think I think historically, I think Sean's right. No, he I is. seem to always remember plague bearers and Nurglings. Yep. being viable <laughs> P- Pl- plague bearers nurglings and assorted other nurgle demons have been the only good thing in their faction for quite a while mm-hmm. uh, uh anyways maybe zinch zinch my zinch has always been pretty strong too but we digress had sometimes yeah uh, we digress uh i now want to talk about us personally so we've mm. talked about kind of our factions now um starting with peter mm-hmm. uh, what do you want to run going into ninth edition so i will what's what's something an army that you're looking at maybe models that you're collecting what's your personal take on it well um i'm gonna be running my golden boys because i love them so much mm-hmm. and i'm hoping that that the psychic awakening here in, in one week guys one week my fellow warriors will have it in our hands and we'll see what they did to us but um just the uh, just the ability to to pare down to a patrol as my base if I need to for CP coming into ninth huge is mm-hmm. big for custodies. Now they had they did throw a bone and say custodian guard are getting something special. They didn't say what it was. The emperor, <laughs> and that know. that scares me. I'm Two guessing emperors. more CP abilities, and I'm hoping like our discussion we were talking about the factions that need help. More customization for custodies mm-hmm. to represent the fact that they really are yeah. individuals. That yeah. would be great. But I'm probably going to run in my, in my, this is what it is now. I've kind of built out a patrol with like a big blob of custodian guard with storm shields. Um, Trajan, because if you're not running Trajan, you're doing it wrong. Uh, just because he's so cool. Um, and then uh, a block of Alaris and uh, currently one, but I'm thinking maybe I'll up it to two blocks of uh, bikes, depending on how things go with a smaller table size. I feel a little more comfortable with that. Only problem I'm having with the bikes and why I'm iffy on it is the, all the talk about armies being more elite because hurricane bolters don't do as good a job on elite armies. So I'll have to see how that plays out, but at, le- but at least a block there. Probably a bike captain in there because um, super cool, fast. Anyway, that's where I'm. That's where I'm leaning. I do have a a, a big Blood Angels commission on the go from a painting side of things, Ooh. so it's quite possible if Casodes come out and they're absolute hot garbage, and I'm disappointed in in everything <laughs> in life that I'll play them instead. Um, so I'm hedging my bets there. But right now I'm looking at a Custodes patrol and then depending on extra detachment CP, maybe I get to throw in some, if the Talons of the Emperor thing works, some Sisters of Silence because I own so many of them. <laughs> like it's a good time to be alive for me in the speculative world um, because uh, as always, I'm ever the optimist. Um, and then I become super pessimistic once it gets released. So Interesting. Uh, what about you, Sean? I haven't really made up my mind, you know, without seeing anything, it's it's kind of hard to make any decisions. I I like Tau, I like Eldar, I like Slanesh. As long as at least one of them is good, then I'll probably be pretty happy playing around with them. Um, but I, I tend to shift armies over the course of an edition, uh, both to keep myself from getting bored and as things change. So that's kind of why I like having different options available there. The devil's trifecta of armies. Yes. Uh, they all specifically designed to ruin my opponent's fun in different ways. Mm. <laughs> and also to have the creepiest, uh, pictures if you Google them. Um, oh, oh, yes, yes. Ooh, I subscribe to my very, very special, uh, patron, if you want some, <laughs> some of that. I just turn off safe search. That's all I need to do. Anyway. Oh. 
and then uh, finally, Brandon, what, what do you think? What do you think <laughs> you're going to do with Ninth Edition? Are you going to continue with your sisters, or are you going to stay with your tried and true Admech, or are you going to go back to Dark Angels? Um, I don't think I'm going to go back to Dark Angels anytime soon, but I have some ideas for hybrid lists as well. So depending on hmm. how penalized you are for doing cross-faction lists, I still think there might be a very strong cross-faction list between Guard and Sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that either army can be very good uh, on its own. So I'm probably going to experiment with both just to get the hang of offensive and defensive melee. Um, mm. And Sisters can bring offensive melee to the table like none other. Like mm-hmm. They have some of the best melee units in the game right now. So yeah. I'm interested to see what Ninth Edition brings on that front. And... Um, I know guard vehicles are going to be better than they are now, which is great, but I am worried that just the regular infantry are going to be totally eclipsed by how good all these war machines are. And I really do like just the poor bloody infantry in my list. So we'll see mm-hmm. what I can come up with. I might have to build a skew list that takes advantage of everyone underestimating infantry again. Absolutely. Don't um, you do that, Brandon. Don't. <laughs> be don't. a sheep. Be a sheep. Follow the, the mold. Um, I don't want to play any more infantry hordes ever again. <laughs> what if it's just a hundred infantry that are very, very difficult to kill? That's that is exactly the opposite of what I want to play against for the rest of my life. Uh, you <laughs> killed five this turn. You still got ninety-five <laughs> more. Good luck. Um. Uh. And then finally, uh, I, I'm probably gonna. I've, I've already bought the core for a salamanders list. Um. Uh, so I'm probably gonna stick with that, and then. Uh, I really want to try and get back to my hero hammer roots mm-hmm. and run a bunch of really cool characters. I don't think that's going to be a thing in ninth edition. That's uh, I'm commissioning a lot of random good, cool characters that I've liked Imperium focused. Um, hoping maybe that that becomes a thing, but, uh, but yeah, Salamanders will be the, the army. I'm, I'm really going to try and focus on make work because I really mm-hmm. do think they're going to come out ahead in this edition. They've got some potential. They've been they on do. like the edge of greatness for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. What color are well, your salamanders going to be, Pablo? What's up? What color are your salamanders going to oh, be? Oh, they're going to be they're going to be blue manders. Mm, so I thought. Ultra <laughs> ultra manders. I love it. Yeah, ultra manders. I love it. As you will. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, you, you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, w- any final thoughts about ninth edition? Any cool tidbits before we close out the episode? I think the only thing I'd say as someone who's been through quite a few edition changes, even edition changes that on the surface were very similar, such as 6th and 7th edition, Mm -hmm. don't look at it like an update to the game. You're going to have to approach it like it's a totally new game because there's too many things changing to really like take the lessons of 8th edition. Hmm. That's very good good advice. Good, good advice. As a veteran of multiple editions, as sound advice. All right. Don't forget to head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics. If you want to listen to that recent review, I think it is a great supplement to this episode. Uh, Or if you're listening to this episode in the future, go on over to frontlinegaming.org or the Frontline Gaming Network and check out that recent review when it finally does come out. Also, go to frontlinegaming.org, buy stuff, keep an eye out for GW items selling out of stock like crazy. Don't be a sucker and buy Grey Knight Terminators for 20 bucks a model on eBay. <laughs> and uh, Brandon, Peter, and Sean, where can they find you all? Uh, my podcast is kind of on uh, hiatus right now due to scheduling issues with all three of us working overtime with Corona and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I still write for Frontline all the time, so go there, check out the articles. I write all kinds of stuff. He does. Often. The uh, other thing is that uh, Scurry and I will be um, shoutcasting a, an event this weekend. Mm. The Branson Open. And yeah, I'm sure Pablo will be including a link to the Twitch channel at the end of this video. So if you're bored and you want some of the last competitive 8th edition before the new edition lands, um, tune in. See us in action. Yeah, and that, that'll be on the uh, Iron Halo TV uh, that's uh, put on by Jason Horn, who does a phenomenal John, a phenomenal job, a phenomenal Whoa. job uh, streaming those events and putting them on Twitch for people to see. 
Uh, he usually brings on a variety of guests to shoutcast for the tournament. Uh, and you know, it should be, should be a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm going to be shoutcasting as well as Brandon and Skari and probably other people as well, whoever Jason gets his hand on. Um, but it'll be interesting to, you know, talk about 40 K again in a competitive setting. It'll be very fun. Yeah. And then finally, Peter. Um, you can find me these days uh, sitting on my back porch in northern Alberta, uh, contemplating, you know, my existential existence, mm-hmm. um, generally. Uh, so, you know, if you want to stop by, um, send me a DM. You can slide right in. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I, I have been doing The Honest Wargamer every Tuesday morning at 5 in the morning Mountain Standard Time because I hate myself. And um, and then occasionally Val and I will be doing chat center episodes until, you know, actual tournament 40K starts up again in earnest. And then we get back to that. And I mean, 40kstats.com is a website. And every couple of weeks I try to put I've I've kind of tried to focus on putting out a blog, updating where I'm at and uh, where the world is going to be. Hopefully when this uh, when we finally get to do this again in person. That's it. But the porch is the big one. I'll give you a Diet Pepsi. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely okay thank you so much everyone for listening you are of course the best listeners in the world and as always have a good one Bye-bye. bye 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 everyone